well. Territory. Anybody going for territory? <laughs> Amen. I never realized territory would be so much fun. I've got about six or seven verses that I want to share with you today. Um, this week, Winona and I were able to sneak away for a few days, and we went up to the cottage, and uh, I woke up in the middle of the night one night, and God, um, God woke me up. He knocked, and I heard a knock. Um, I heard two knocks, and I woke up just like that, and it was like three o'clock in the morning, and me being the good husband that I am, stayed in bed, and I'm saying, God, I don't want it to be one of my neighbors, because I didn't want to get up in the middle of the night and have a conversation with somebody, so I stayed in bed, and I said, don't let him knock again. And it was funny because the knock was not the knock of our door because I knew the, the door knock, then the sound of it. And yet this knock was distinctive and it woke me up just like that. Just like that. I was wide awake. So I laid in bed for about five minutes or so and I'm kind of waiting it out. And they didn't knock again and so I'm thinking, okay, well maybe this is like a Samuel moment. You know, uh, uh, Samuel, Samuel. So I thought, okay, God, I'm, I'm not going to wait too long that you have to knock again. So I, I got out of bed and uh, went to the the family room and, and uh, took out my iPad and I started to dialogue with God. And I figured, you know, the first thing I figured was, why did you knock? A good place to start, right? When God says something to you, if you don't understand it, say, why did you do this? Uh, if you say, well, how does God speak? When God says something to you, if you don't understand it, you say, why did you do this? And so I said, God, why did you knock? He replied, because I want to come in. Makes sense to me. So I said, okay. Now, as you all know, life has been real crazy for the last month. So, as I've been praying, I'm saying, Lord, okay, I'll let you in. And then he, he directed me to a song. Um, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I remember learning that one in Sunday school. Did anybody know that song? Behold, behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> behold, behold, I stand at the door. If anyone hears my voice... Anyways, it, it goes on, so I thought, I want to find out where that is. So I, I took out my iPad, and I Googled it, and I found out that it's in Revelation 3.20. So if you could turn in your Bibles, I want to share this morning about Christ. And I want to start with Revelation 3.20, and I want to talk this morning about Christ in your crisis. And... What do you do when you're in a crisis? What do you do 
when everything around you is like the, the, the landscape is changing by the second, what do you do? So if you turn to Rome, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, that context, I found it interesting, was in the context of the church of Laodicea. It's probably one of, of the seven churches that, that are listed in Revelation. It's probably the one that is most talked about or most heard about because that's the one that talks about you're either you're, you're, you're lukewarm and I'd rather have you hot or cold. And I think we've heard that thought process many times. And as I, as I was reading this, I was struck by this passage how in the middle of this in the middle of this conversation that God is having with this church, he gets this in verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now he's here telling them, Listen, I want you either hot or I want you cold, but I don't want you in between. And I find this interesting that in the middle of our crisis and in the middle of our stress, in the middle of situations where we might be trying to figure things out, God still initiates conversation. In the middle of everything, when I might be trying to figure things out, I don't know what's going on. I wish I did. I don't understand everything. I don't know what even the next step is going to take. And I have these crises in my mind and in my head. And the landscape changes and I can't concentrate on this and I can't think about that. I don't remember this. And in the middle of all this stress and all this stuff, it's so easy to forget God. I'll be honest with you, it's so easy to forget God. Because I'm in the battle and I'm fighting for everything around me and I'm fighting for life and I'm fighting for this and I'm fighting for that. I'm fighting for a paycheck. I'm fighting for a friendship. I'm fighting for my health. I'm fighting for whatever it is and in the middle of that, all of a sudden, I realize I've forgotten God. And in the middle of that, Christ comes and in the middle of a church that he's saying, you're either hot or you're cold, uh, you're lukewarm, and I want you either hot or cold. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And in that moment, three o'clock in the morning, he came to me and he knocked. And he said, David, I want to come in. God wants to come into the middle of your crisis. And he initiates, I've, he initiates it. He initiates it. God is an initiator. He is the one, it says, for God so loved the world that he sent. He didn't say that he waited. He sent his son. He gave. And in this passage, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, and listen to what he says. All you have to do is you just have to open the door. All you have to do, he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what does he say? He says, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So at three o'clock in the morning, I had a little dinner with God. I guess you could call it a midnight snack. One that you don't put any weight on. 
That's the best kind of diet of all. So Christ in the middle of your crisis, I've got six things I want to show you. And the first one I want to show you is from Revelation 3 verse 20. And if you're taking notes, which I highly recommend, you can write this down. And if you want my notes, you can let me know and I will send you my notes. Whatever you can make of them. But the first thing I want you to see that in the middle of your crisis, Christ initiates. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that he doesn't forget me. I am so thankful that he doesn't say, David, what are you doing? Forget it. No, you know what he does? He comes and he says, David, knock. You know, he plays, who's there? Jesus. Jesus who? Jesus who was nailed on the cross for you. Oh, you let him in. That was a joke, but it was a pretty bad one, wasn't it, Mo? Okay, i got to work on the punchlines. Christ initiates. Next thing I want you to see, we're going through a little bit of a Bible class here this morning. I want you to turn to Philippians 1, verse 6. Christ initiates. In the middle of your crisis, this is what God showed me this week. In the middle of my crisis, He initiates. Sometimes we don't even know what to do or what to say. Christ initiates. In Philippians 1.6, Paul is writing this to the church in Philippi. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. Verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the very first day until now. And then in verse 6, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. So not only does he initiate the conversation, but it says if he initiates it and he begins it, he's going to complete it. In the middle of your crisis, when you're trying to figure things out and the landscape changes and what you used to thought was the picture was here and now all of a sudden the picture's here and then the next day the picture's over here in the middle of all that and the turmoil and the dust that's flying around he says I come and he knocks at the door and he says I want you to he says open the door and I'll come in and then he also says that he who begun the good work in you will complete it if there's anybody's word that I trust, it's this word. If there's any word that I trust, it's this word. I have never seen his word fail. In Isaiah, it says, his word does not come back to him void, but it accomplishes the thing that he set it out to do. So if God has put something in your heart, you can take that to the bank. And you can say, God, your word said this. You spoke this to me. You who begun a good work in me will complete it. So in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of all the mess, I want you to know that what he started in you, he will complete. He doesn't do a half job. He doesn't check out at 359. He doesn't go, I've got coffee, just wait. He is there 24-7, 365. He never misses a heartbeat. He initiates. 
he also completes. That's number two. What he starts, he'll finish. Number three, if you can turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to spend a couple, t- couple minutes in Romans 8. Hallelujah. Quiet. I should get my joke book out and put a couple jokes in while you go to the next passage. Hallelujah. Romans 8. If you could go to verse 31. Romans 8, 31. This is our number 3. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? Look to somebody and say, who can be against you? Who can be against you? If God is for us, is God for you? Is God for you? If he's for you, can anybody be against you? I don't know about you, but that's kind of assuring. I like it when my God is for me. It sure beats when people try to be against me. And in the middle of the crisis... He comes and he knocks and he initiates a conversation. And then he says, David, the thing that I started in you, we're going to finish. And then he says, number three, he says, not only that, but he says, I'm for you. I mean, you have the creator of the universe behind you. (laughs) You have the creator of the universe behind you. In business deals, they always want to say, well, who's backing this deal? And you say, well, it's the bank. No. Who's who's backing the deal that you have? God. God Almighty. The voice that spoke and the world came into being. The one that created things. The one that saw you in your mother's womb. The one who sent his son. The one who cares for you. The one who gives you promises. The one who set the world into order. He's the one that's behind you, backing you, with you. If God is for you, who can be against you? I don't know about you, but in the middle of a crisis, I look around to who's with me. And I looked around that night, and Christ was with me. I mean, who else would you want? I mean, if you have all the choices in the world, and you could have this, you could have a car. You could have a house. You could have a friend. You could have this. You could have money. You could have fun. You could have all the toys that you'd ever want. And the toys, you know, big boys, big toys. They still, you, I still like the toys. You could have all these. You could have everything that you'd want. And then you could have Christ, who's my peace, who's my joy, who's my comfort, who's my strength, who's my brother, who's the heir the jo- and, and who is the first fruit of many. 
And I have that. So in the middle of my crisis, I have Christ. He's for me. He's for me. He's not against me. God is not against you. I think sometimes in our Christian experience, we somehow paint God as a cosmic killjoy. That he's against me. And the moment my head pokes up and I just start to see the light, we have this mentality that he's got that big club. Go, whap! Stay down, David! I mean, I love that game. I, I go at Castle Fun Park, I'll actually play the game whack-a-mole. You know? But I think sometimes we have that mentality in our Christian life. We say, well, I must be doing something wrong because things are going too good. What crazy thinking is that? We think God's going to punish us because we're smiling. No. We think God's going to knock things off. We think God, oh, he's going to keep me humble. Well, you know what? If you get proud, yeah, you're going to have some issues. But God is not there to keep you down. God is there to lift you up. God is there to be with you. He is there to initiate a conversation. He's there to see that you get it all the way through. He is there to be with you and to say, I am with you and I am for you. God is for you. Number four. If you stay in Romans chapter 8. If you were to read verses 35 to 39, and and I'm going to read them, there's 17 things listed that can be against you. 17. (laughs) I'm I'm sick and tired with just one. (laughs) It's like, I don't need 17. I I just got one thing that's against me, and that's like, hello! McFly! Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. And then if you continue down, you go to verse um, 38. He continues on in that thought. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. And by the way, the devil is a created being. The devil is a created being. He was an angel created. He didn't exist. He's not equal to God. We have this mentality, good versus evil are somehow equal. And we watch that in cartoons. Bug Bunny has done us a disservice. Good and evil are not the same. My God is a good God. And evil was the Satan who was a created being. They are not on equal ground. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. In the middle of a crisis, that's kind of good news. 
<laughs> in the middle of a crisis, when you're trying to grab at straws, and every straw you grab at, somebody cuts, and you find out that it's not really a straw, and everything that you're trying to hope on to, and then you find out that's not good news, and this is not good news, and I thought this would work, and that's not working, and everything's falling apart, I got something to tell you. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Look at somebody and say nothing. And if you want to get real sassy, say nothing. You know, with a little bit, nothing. Nothing is going to separate you from God's love. Nothing. Well, what about this? Nothing. What about this? Nothing. Well, what about nothing? Sometimes I think we got to walk around the house almost and say nothing. Open the door. Nothing. Open the closet. Nothing. Look at your wife and say, I love you. <laughs> Don't say nothing to your wife. That's not a recipe for a good day. Nothing will separate you from God's love. In the middle of a crisis, Christ comes and he knocks on the door. In the middle of the crisis, he says, Every, I'm here and I'm going to perform the good work that I said. In the middle of the crisis, he says, if I'm for you, who can be against you? In the middle of the crisis, he says, nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Shawnee, you've got an appointment this week, tomorrow. I'm believing that what they're going to look for is going to disappear. And nothing can separate you from God's love. So when you lay down and you close your eyes, you can say, Jesus, can you rock me to sleep? And he'll sing a lullaby better than your dad could sing. And he'll put you to sleep because nothing can separate you from God's love. And I'm believing. I'm believing and I'm asking God for a report that will confound the doctors. Why not? I've seen too much devastation to not start saying, why not? Too many times we say, why? Why don't we say, why not? Why not a miracle? Why not a miracle? Why not something that confounds the doctors? Why not something that is supernatural that will happen that can only be explained when they say, we had these results and now we've got these results and they're exact opposites. Why not? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I'm here to tell you, God loves you. God loves you. So in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of my crisis, in the middle of my wife's crisis, in the middle of Shawnee's crisis, in the middle of whatever crisis you might be facing, God loves you. And if that's all you've got to hold on to, that's not a too bad of a deal. Number five, 
I want you to go to Hebrews 13, verse 5. And this, this one, there's two verses to go to. And I, I find it amazing. You know, when you read the scriptures, that sometimes they'll take a phrase out of one chapter or one passage and they'll put it in another passage and they'll quote something and it's like, where did that come from? So Hebrews 13, 5. And then if you want, right beside it or underneath it, write down Matthew 28, verse 20. Because Matthew 28 is where this verse comes from. I'll read you Matthew 28, 20, but if you go to Matthew, uh, Hebrews 13, 5, just hang on for a second. Matthew 28, 20 is part of the Great Commission, and Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he tells them, teaching them, he tells them to go into all the world and make disciples of all men, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So you say, oh, the context is in evangelism, winning the whole world. Then you go to Hebrews, and the writer of Hebrews takes that passage, and he uses it in a different context. And in Hebrews 13, 5, he's talking about how you live a moral life. And he says, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I looked at that, and it's like Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what situation is, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. And another passage, it says he is a friend that, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, talking of the Holy Spirit. So number five, in the middle of your crisis, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Never. Last, last point I said nothing. This point I want to say never. Be careful when you use the word never. Never use the word never. Except in a situation like this. Never. Never will he leave you or forsake you. Look at somebody and say never. God doesn't give you the spirit of fear. Sometimes we live in fear that God is going to forsake us. No, it says here, He will never leave you nor forsake you. In the middle of your storm, in the middle of life and everything going sideways and your world being turned upside down, in the middle of that, He comes, He knocks on the door, He says, David, I want to come in. I'm going to complete what I've started. He says, I'm for you. I'm not against you. He says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. In the middle of everything, if God is for me, who can be against me? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever you're facing, he's never going to leave you. It says Psalm 30, 139. It says, if I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. He says, there's no place that you're not. I cannot hide myself from you. When you play hide and seek with God, it's a boring game. Especially when he's doing the finding. The last thing I want you to see in the middle of your crisis, if you turn to Philippians 4, I'm doing well. It's like one minute after 12. 
Yes. I'm glad one of the pastors said hallelujah. <laughs> now that Pastor Nelson said it, he better watch out. <laughs> Ephesians, uh, Philippians 4, verse 13. And if you read verse 12, it says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. And he's actually talking financially here. He's actually talking money talk. If you take a look at this whole aspect, it's amazing. But everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to, be, to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the middle of your crisis, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say it's over, it's finished. In fact, dig in your heels and get a little belligerent and say, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Walk around the house and say, I can do all things. I can make this. Why? Because Christ comes. He knocks on the door. He initiates the conversation. He says that what I've started in you, I'm going to finish. Christ does not leave it half done. When he gives you a promise, he'll see it through all the way to the end. He says, if I'm for you, who can be against you? He says, what can separate the love of God from your life? He says, I'm with you for everything, and I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. And then he says, not only that, but then he says, you can do it. I don't have the answers, but I have Christ. I don't have the answers. And it seems like every time we sit down, it changes anyways. <laughs> it's like you think you got it figured out, and then you sit down and some other professional tells you something else, and it's like, huh. And I'm talking medically, but I, I know it works financially. I know it works psychologically as well you think you've got things figured out you think you were invested correctly you think you put all your money in the right places you think you have put your mindset in the right areas and all of a sudden that which can be shaken is shaken and it's like this but there's one that can't be shaken 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 his name is Christ and he's the one that you hold on to. He's the one that in the middle of your crisis, there's Christ. I want to encourage you today. Whatever you're facing, don't face it thinking you're going to do it alone. Don't be so silly to think, I've got to handle this myself. But make sure you invite Christ. Make sure when he knocks on the door at three in the morning that you open it up and let him in. 
Because I believe God's got territory for every single one of you. But the territory that God's got for you, you're not going to get it without taking time with Christ. The territory that he has for you is through the price that Christ paid. Christ paid the price so the territory that we have is through him. I'm going for territory and healing. I had no idea it would look like it looks. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I could have had a do-over. Healing? Well, no, maybe I'll just go for like having nice lunches. That would be my territory. I believe God's got territory for you. And it is everything is through what Christ has paid. So Christ had paid the price over sickness. Christ has paid the price over cancer. Christ has paid the price over autism. Christ has paid the price over depression. Christ has paid the price over mental illness. Christ has paid the price. And it is through the price that he paid that you will experience the territory that he has for you. And in the middle of that process... Oh, I hate the process. Can I be honest with you? I hate the process. I wish he would microwave it. But it's through that process that all those things start to fall off. It's all those ideas, all that wrong thinking, all that me, me, me starts to fall. And then you get to the end of the process and it's all Christ. And then you walk in the territory and you've got perspective because it's Christ in you. It isn't David. It isn't Pastor Nelson. It's not so-and-so. It's Christ. So I want to encourage you today. Whatever crisis you're facing, and I know it's not just me. I know there's, there's crisis in family. I know there's parents that hearts are broken for their kids. Christ is there. I know there's medical issues. I know there's financial issues. I know there's stress that is induced that we can't even explain or understand. Christ is there. And if you can do anything, if you can do anything, take those six points. Meditate on them. Meditate on them. If you need the notes, I'll give you the notes. Very simple. It was six points. It wasn't 78 points and all these subpoints. It's just six simple points. And at the end of the day, Christ is for you. I thank God for Christ. I thank God for Christ. So I want to pray for you right now. If any of you are facing something that to you looks insurmountable, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If, if there's anybody here that could use prayer, and I'm just going to pray for you. If there's anything that you're looking at and you're going, this is like huge. I've got a God that's huger. Amen. Christ. If all that you get today is Christ. If that's all that you walk away with. A greater revelation of Christ. Christ. Christ.
The one who paid the price. The one who sacrificed his life so that you could live victoriously. Christ. The power of Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone here this morning. Lord, those that have issues that are, that are hurting, that they're drawing them, that are pulling at them. Lord, I ask that you would pour out a revelation of you. Lord, that they would walk away today with a greater understanding of your love. Hmm. Hmm. God gave me a picture this week as a boy. I believe this is, this is something you can grab onto today. I remember as a little boy the greatest pleasure I had was jumping into my dad's arms. And I remember at church Sunday after Sunday he'd hold me in his arms and my head would be close to his head and instead of singing he would just hum and I could feel the humming vibrate through my body God is here today as your heavenly Father. And you might be rattled to the core, but let Him pick you up. Let Him pull you close. And then just listen to Him hum with your head close to his and just be at peace stop running around like crazy stop and just let him pick you up I just want the music to play let's even take a moment right now Oh, just let your love. Just receive his love. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. dances he dances 
He dances over me. He dances. He dances. He dances over me. His love, it dances. His love dances over me. He dances. He dances. He dances over me. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm. Praise. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Just let him dance. Mm. I'd like to close just with a prophetic word. God is dancing over you. He has not forgotten. He's not dull that he did not hear. He's not distant that he couldn't see. But he is dancing so eloquently, so smoothly, so effortlessly, so precisely He's dancing a love song over you. And he wants you to know that he hasn't forgotten you. That he hasn't forgotten you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would bless everyone here. you would cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, that we would be people of blessing this week. I thank you for your love for us, your love for me. Lord, I thank you for the miracles that you are doing today. Amen. God bless you. Having a crazy week in a good way.